Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day, whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. Good morning, Networld. Appreciate you joining me today. As we continue in our series titled The Family Bible Revolution, an end-time message for his generational blessing, and yesterday we started a new theme about a family who eats together, and a family who prays together, and a family who fears together. Yesterday we were talking about the eating together part, and we'll continue there. But before we do, let's review Acts chapter 2 verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Yesterday, we talked about that we should never be afraid of doctrine. We should embrace it. Doctrine's not a dirty word. It's the first of our foundation in the faith. Watch out when someone wants to water down the word. One of the first things you might hear is, All religions pray to the same God, and hell isn't real. Well, that's wrong. I'll say that again. That is just wrong. People will say we're narrow-minded, discriminate, unloving, prejudiced, opinionated, biased, unreceptive to new ideas, self-righteous, bigoted, conservative, haters, and intolerant. But I have no apologies. I'm just repeating what he said. I did not write the book, and I simply trust him, and you should too. These are not my words. This is God's word, and we have no right to take away or add anything to it, like it says in Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 through 19. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And verse 19, and if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Wow, I don't want to add or take anything away from the word. So you say you want to be a preacher, but before you do, understand the responsibility. Like me, you'll be meeting with many ministers you respect and trust continually and steadfastly to discuss doctrine. Why? Because you love his people and you do not want to get it wrong. Lives are at stake. But even beyond ministers, all the saints of the church should be learning, discussing, studying, and reading the word on a regular basis to be sure we stay on track. This is the very reason God gave us a written version of his will. Say this after me, I love doctrine. Doctrine is the first foundation of my faith. So how and when should we be discussing doctrine? Well, in the temple and going house to house while eating and while praying, continually and steadfastly. Acts 2, 46-47 So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, 
and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And then look what happened in verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Fear, wonders, and signs. Isn't that what we all want? I do. Fear? Yes, with the definition as godly fear, holy fear, respect, awe, and reverence toward God. So through these two words, doctrine and fellowship, we can expect gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God, favor, evangelism, church growth, and now godly fear with many signs and wonders. How did this all happen? Through the foundations of doctrine and fellowship while breaking bread and praying. Why? Because a family who eats together. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. The first aspect of Christian fellowship is the breaking of bread. In Christianity, we have two tables of breaking bread, the table of the Lord and the table of the agape meal. The table of the Lord is where we celebrate communion in remembrance of Christ. Jesus served communion to his disciples at the Last Supper, and he instructed them to celebrate communion regularly until his return. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 26 For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. In the following verses, Paul explains we need to examine ourselves before we eat of this table. This table is not for serving a natural meal due to hunger. Rather, it's a holy spiritual meal demonstrating our faith and reverence for the death of Christ as the propitiation for our sins. That's out of 1 John 4.10. And our redemption from the curse of the law. That's in Galatians 3.13-14. Propitiation means to redeem and deliver. And redemption means to buy out. When we celebrate his propitiation and redemption at the communion table, it is a holy ordinance of the church. We are declaring our faith in his cleansing blood and in his broken body that we are healed by his stripes and all our needs are met. To receive communion without faith and trust in him is simply a mockery. The second table for the breaking of bread is the agape meal or the common meal. Acts 2.46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. In Jude, verse 12, the term love feast is used to express the Christian meal celebrated together. Celebrating communion and eating the common meal together was the first part of fellowship in the early church. Do we practice this foundational principle today? If so, are we fellowshipping steadfastly and continually or just once or twice a year? This is something to think about. If this is a principle the church should follow, should we also be doing it at home? Well, how often? Should we include communion also? Well, I'll ask one final question. Do we want the gladness, simplicity of heart, 
praising God, favor, evangelism, church growth, fear, and wonders and signs? I think we do. You see, a family that eats together. Hmm, what's the completing of that sentence? We'll see. Let's look at some clinical information about the family meal. I discovered a very interesting website. It's called thefamilydinnerproject.org. And this is their description on their website. The Family Dinner Project is a startup grassroots movement of food, fun, and conversation about things that matter. Over the past 15 years, research has shown what parents have known for a long time. Sharing a fun family meal is good for the spirit, brain, and health of all family members. Recent studies link regular family meals with the kinds of behaviors that parents want for their children, higher grade point averages, healthier eating habits, stronger resilience, higher self-esteem, better grades, and bigger vocabularies. Additionally, family meals are linked to lower rates of substance abuse, teen pregnancy, eating disorders, and depression. We also believe in the power of family dinners to nourish ethical thinking. The program meets you where you are. You set your own goals for changing your family dinners. Maybe you struggle to come up with a meal your toddler will eat or your teenagers have forgotten how to talk. Or you simply can't find time for everyone to gather around the table. Whatever your challenges, the Family Dinner Project has practical tools and resources, easy recipes for crowd-pleasing meals, silly games for diffusing tension, and ways to deepen conversation to help everyone enjoy dinner. There's conversation starters, dinner games, and many more resources. The Family Dinner Project monthly newsletter for recipes and ideas every month. They have a program called Four Weeks to Better Family Dinners. They say sign up for a free guide including healthy recipes, dinner activities, and loads of conversation starters. We'll even email you tips and reminders. By the end of the month, you'll be planning more meals, cooking healthier food, and enjoying more quality time with your family. And that's what it's all about. And the website continues, Why should we eat dinner together more often? Most American families are starved for time to spend together, and dinner may be the only time of the day when we can reconnect, leaving behind our individual pursuits like playing video games, emailing, and doing homework. Dinner is a time to relax, recharge, laugh, tell stories, and catch up on the day's ups and downs while developing a sense of who we are as family. If you think of family dinner as a time to nourish your family, prevent all kinds of problems, increase your children's cognitive abilities, and provide pleasure and fun that they can build on for the rest of their lives, a nightly meal is an efficient use of time. What a great website. Well, this is just clinical confirmation proving that the Bible is true. If this principle works for a secular family, imagine what it could do if we, Christians, added doctrine and prayer. Acts 2.42, two foundational principles for the family of God, doctrine and fellowship, while observing communion, eating the agape meal, and praying for one another. It seems to me societies become overly busy with working for a living and keeping up with the tremendous flow of information via email, instant chat messaging, videos, social sites, smartphones, business websites, text messages, and the list seems to grow every day. When you include school for the kids, sports on the weekends, extracurricular activities, music lessons, homework, and even church, life is a balancing act. Eating together? Cooking food and eating together? 
sitting at a table and eating together, not watching TV when we eat? Does this mean we would have to talk? Can't we just stare at our smartphones and entertain ourselves? Besides, what is there to talk about? Let's just eat in the car on the way there. Is it possible that what used to be a foundational principle in the family meal has become something that seems awful, terrifying, and boring? My gosh, will Dad be there? Everybody is so multitask-oriented that driving while eating and talking or texting or checking our email while listening to the GPS over top of a CD in the stereo has become our nature. It's how life has evolved. Actually, it's our new progressive culture. However, being progressive doesn't always lead to progress. And I have a saying that says, Contrary to popular belief, sometimes it's most beneficial to go backwards in order to progress forward in the things of God. We've run out of time again, and I really look forward to being with you tomorrow in my next netcast. So again, mark your calendar, set your clock, and tune in as we continue in establishing the Family Bible Revolution, an end-time message for His generational blessing. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.